0: Well, let's, let's again, I, I, I explain some of these thoughts. of Why do we worship? I think we worship to express praise for who God is, to exalt him. And we worship to thank him with grateful hearts for all that he has done for us. You know, we worship to draw near to the living God. We want to spend time in his presence We want to experience heaven on earth. But just a reminder that we do all of this by invitation. By invitation. And that is my message this morning. The title of my sermon this morning is Missing Persons. My text is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 to 31. I think behind me I have the sermon outline for your easy reference. Pray with me as I seek Psalm 1914 to to guide and direct me. So, Father, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my mind, my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, it is the most exclusive club in the world. And there is only one qualification that will get you into this club. And amazingly, it's not money. You know that Jim Bezos, Jeff Bezos, has he's the richest person in the world. His net worth is $190 billion. And by comparison, Bill Gates is a relative pauper. He has a net worth of $120.7 billion. (laughs) But neither man can buy his way into this club. It's not fame either. You know, the most famous people in the world, the ones with the most recognizable faces, have been Muhammad Ali and Tiger Woods. Neither of them can get into this club. It's not popularity. According to Twitter, the the most popular people on the planet are Justin Timberlake, Taylor Swift, and Katy Perry. None of them would be allowed into this club. It's not influence. You know, surveys have told us that the three most influential people in the 21st century were Steve Jobs with Apple computers, Oprah Winfrey, television personality, And Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. And none of them would be allowed into this club. The most exclusive club in the world has only five living members. And there is only one qualification that will get you into this club. Only one requirement. Guess what that is? A title. The title is President of the United States. The most exclusive club in the world is known as the President's Club. Now, there's another club that, for me, is far more fascinating, far more exciting, and far more important, and it is the most inclusive club in the world. That club is made up of followers of Jesus Christ, and the only requirement you must have to be a candidate to join this club is to be a missing person. A missing person is anyone who is far from God that can be invited to come near to God. There is an amber alert on anyone who is far from God. Jesus even said that the reason why he left heaven and came to earth was to find and rescue missing persons. He said in Luke 19.10, the Son of God has come to seek and to save the lost. You know, at this point in our story, Jesus had already found his first missing persons. They were four fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And he invited them to come and to follow him, and they did. He also told them that he wanted them to quit fishing for fish and start fishing for people. He wanted them to start looking for missing persons. Now the question is, what kind of missing persons are we to look for? What kind of a fish are we to go after? What the disciples were about to learn shocked their system to the core. Because, listen, everybody is to be invited to follow Jesus. And anybody can follow Jesus. Jesus has told his new friends what they are to do. And now he's going to show them how they're going to do it. And the same way he did it is the same way we are to do it. So first, consider that we are to ask everyone to follow Jesus. Our text, Luke 5, 27, states, After that, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. You know, the disciples thought they were just taking a nice little stroll on a beautiful day. And they had probably passed this tax booth Many times, but unlike Jesus, they turned their heads and they refused to look at the man that was sitting there. And we are told that Jesus saw Levi. And the word saw in Aramaic is a very strong word. It means to stare and to focus on deliberately. In other words, Jesus stopped and he began to look this collector, this tax collector, up and down. Have you ever felt like someone was staring at you? And you know that what is even more uncomfortable is when you look around and you find out and realize that someone is. Now by this time, the fame of Jesus was spreading rapidly and there is no question that Levi knew who Jesus was. And then Jesus opens his mouth and says the last thing Levi ever thought he would hear from him. Follow me. He was asking Levi to become a disciple. In first century Palestine, the word disciple did not mean what disciple means today. Today, we think about a disciple as being a pupil in a school that learns lessons from a teacher, but back then it meant apprentice. A disciple was someone who didn't just learn a skill, he learned a way of life. That's why Jesus did not say, Learn from me. He said, follow me. In other words, Jesus was saying, I don't want you to just change the way you think. I want you to change the way you live. There was something that was even more amazing both to Levi and to the four disciples. You see, Jesus was considered a rabbi. And rabbis did not ask students to become their disciples. Students asked rabbis if they could become their disciples. And in order to follow a particular rabbi, you had to apply. You had to meet certain standards before you would even be considered. In effect, you had to have a certain GPA, you had to have a good transcript. You were expected to have an impressive knowledge of the first 5 books of the law and you might even be asked to recite a complete book to just to be considered. And the selection was intense, it was meticulous, it was painstaking. Rabbis couldn't just let anybody join them because the reputation of the rabbi depended on the quality of his disciples. But Jesus it's something that no rabbi had ever done or would even think about doing. Instead of someone asking Jesus if they could follow him, Jesus instead invited people to follow him. No application, just an invitation. And though the disciples didn't get it then, they would get it later, what Jesus was doing with Levi was exactly what he wanted them to do with others. You know, President Calvin Coolidge once said, the business of America is business. Well, the business of the church and the business of every follower of Christ is missing persons. Our job as we go about daily living is to be looking for missing persons and invite them to follow Jesus. Why? Because everybody Is invited to follow Jesus and anybody can follow him. If that was not enough to shock those four fishermen, the next lesson just blew them up. And so, number two is that we are to accept anyone willing to follow Jesus. You know, the command that Jesus gave was the simplest command he ever gave, which came in two words follow me. Now, we've already seen how unusual his method was in that he invited people. But what was even more shocking was whom he invited. Again, verse 27 states, After he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax booth, he said to him, Follow me. It was radical enough that Jesus chose his disciples rather than having his disciples choose him. But when you look at the list of the people he chose, let's just say none of them would have made who's who. There wasn't a biblical scholar among them, not one strong leader, not a mover and not a shaker. Not one of the apostles, not one of the 12 that he chose would have made anybody's got-to-have list. So far, just a bunch of poor fishermen Now all of the missing persons Jesus could invite, you would have bet your house and everything you own that there is one kind of missing person Jesus would have never invited. You would have put all of your money on Levi. Levi was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government. The Romans collected their taxes through a system known as tax farming. They had divided all of Palestine into districts. Every district had a fixed tax figure that they had to pay. And then they sold that right to collect those taxes to the highest bidder. There were two categories of taxes that people had to pay. There were direct taxes, otherwise known as fixed taxes, which included the poll tax, which everybody had to pay simply because they were alive. There was the ground tax, which required one-tenth of all the grain, wine, and oil that farmers produced. There was an income tax, which was 1% of all earnings. I like to go back to the good old days. But where tax collectors made their money was in indirect taxes. These were the duties and the tolls that allowed the tax collectors to rob you blind. The tax collector had the unlimited authority to tax anything he wanted to, such as taxing people for using a road, taxing imports, exports, be it food, fruit, or wine. And there was even a a cart tax in which every wheel was taxed. And he could even open private letters to see if business was being discussed, and if it was, he would tax that. But here's the problem. The problem was he could charge whatever He wanted over and above what the government required. And he could profit and pocket those profits. And there was nothing that anybody could do. And if you could not afford the tax that he levied, the tax collector would loan you money at an exorbitant interest. And if you couldn't pay that back, he would take what you owned, sell it, and pocket the profits. And it was really the first case in history of taxation without representation. Now, it does remind me of a true story of a little boy. It's a little boy that wanted $10. He prayed for two or three weeks, and nothing happened. And then he decided to write God a letter requesting the $10. And when the postal authorities received the letter addressed to God, USA, they decided to send the letter to then-President Bill Clinton. Clinton was so impressed touched and amused that he instructed his secretary to send the little boy a $5 bill. Clinton thought that would appear to be a lot of money to a little boy. And the little boy was delighted to get the $5. He sat down and wrote a thank you note to God, and this is what he wrote. Dear God, thank you very much for sending me the money. However, I noticed that for some reason you decided to send it through Washington, D.C. And as usual, they deducted half of it. (laughs) True story. So it won't surprise you that tax collectors were the most despised, hated class of people in all of Israel. They were considered traitors. They were referred to as bloodsuckers. In short, Levi was a missing person that nobody missed. The tax collectors were so despised that they were barred from the synagogues. In other words, they were excommunicated. And they couldn't be used as witnesses in a court of law because their word was considered useless. And they were on the same level as robbers, murderers, pimps, and prostitutes. They were obviously never invited to neighborhood cookouts and conveniently left off the list of community events. Now, most probably, even his parents had disowned him. He was the black sheep of the family. We know that because of his name, Levi. Levi's parents took his name from the third son of Jacob, who had fathered the Israelite tribe of Levi. Levi was the priestly priestly tribe from from time to time when when he was born. His parents just expected him to serve the Lord as a priest. They intended him to go on to religious training. I think it's likely that his father, his grandfather, perhaps his great-grandfather were also priests. And he was expected to follow in their footsteps. You know, for any Jew, to abandon his heritage to become a Roman tax collector was a terrible thing. But for a member of the tribe of Levi to do it was just beyond comprehension. And while everyone else would curse him and spit at him and threaten him, Jesus said the very same thing to him that he had just said to Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Follow me. Those first invitations made sense. Because all of those men came from devout Jewish families who worked hard, made an honest living, and were faithful attenders at the synagogue. But a traitor? Now Jesus' choice of followers gets even more amazing. In the list of the 12 disciples that we find in the next chapter, chapter 6, we read in verse 15, and Simon, who was called the zealot. Simon the zealot was on the other end of the spectrum from Levi, the tax collector. He was a freedom fighter. He was a terrorist. If you wanted to hire someone to murder Levi, Simon would have been your man. In this band of brothers, you've got a tax collector considered a traitor on the one hand and a terrorist on the other not only does Jesus ask the least likely and the least loving to follow him, he even has a way of bringing them together. I want you to imagine this conversation. Simon, you are a zealot, a freedom fighter, a terrorist. You despise Romans and collaborators like tax collectors. Will you follow me? Yes, Lord. Levi, You are a collaborator, a tax collector, a traitor. Will you follow me? Yes, Lord. Great. Simon, you are rooming with Levi. How could such a thing happen? Because everyone is invited to follow Jesus, and anyone can. Therefore, learn this last lesson. And that is, number three, we are to associate with those who don't follow Jesus. What happens next is even more incredible to me than Levi the tax collector leaving a well-paying job and that would set him up for life and follow Jesus. Our text, verse 29, states, Levi gave a big reception for him, meaning Jesus. Big reception for him in his house, And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. Listen, who does Levi invite? He invites all of the other tax collectors. Why did he do that? Because they were his buddies. Do you know who missing persons hang out with? Other missing persons. So he throws a finding missing persons party When you accept the call to follow Jesus, Jesus does not call you to isolation. He calls you to association. You're not to avoid missing persons, but to go fishing for them, find them, and invite them to follow Jesus. Oftentimes, we don't go back to the old crowd, so we don't evangelize them. Listen, here is this big party going on with the most despised low life of all of Israel and Jesus right in the middle of it. And someone has observed that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. Let me tell you why it is so important to associate with missing persons and to lovingly and gently and naturally introduce them to Jesus When people are far from God and they truly meet the Son of God, they want to draw near to God, bringing glory to God as well as blessings and joy to you. Did you notice who dislikes this kind of talk the most? Religious people. Listen to what happens. Our text, verse 30. And the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Who are these Pharisees and scribes? They are the exact opposite of the tax collectors and the sinners. Religious, churchgoers, pew-sitters. They dot every religious I and cross every religious T. They are in every church I've ever attended, and they are the most judgmental people of all. Their attitude was and is, how dare you ask us good people to hang out with those bad people? Well, listen to Jesus. Our text, verse 31. And Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. These religious fanatics were farther from God than the people they thought were the farthest from God. There are two kinds of people in this story. The people who thought Jesus was too good for them, and then there were the people who thought they were too good for Jesus. The first group becomes followers. The second group's group becomes failures. Listen. There is only one qualification to become a follower of Jesus. You have to be a sinner. If you're not a sinner, you don't need to follow Jesus because you don't need Jesus. The number one reason why people don't come to Jesus is because they don't see themselves as spiritually sick in need of a doctor. They don't see themselves as sinners in need of a savior. The bottom line is is who is invited to follow Jesus. Everyone. But I have a sexual past. You are invited. But I have a jail record. You are invited. But I've been divorced. You are invited. I am a recovering alcoholic. You are invited. I am gay. You are invited. I am a pothead, a porn addict, and a hypocrite. You are invited. Everyone is invited to follow Jesus. And anyone can. You need to understand one more thing. Jesus expects the same response from all who follow, which is this. Our text, verse 28, states, And he left everything behind, got up, and began to follow him. You heard it right. You read it right. Levi lost everything when he followed Jesus. Before you get second thoughts, remember this. Following Jesus will cost you everything, but refusing to follow Jesus will cost you more. If Levi had said no to Jesus, he most likely would have died a very rich man, but you would have never heard of him, and neither would I. Because he chose to follow Jesus, Jesus changed his name to Matthew, which literally means gift from God. He went on to write a book in the Bible, the Gospel of Matthew, and people today name their sons after him. The best that this world has to offer you is trash compared to the worst that Jesus could give you. I am personally so ecstatic That everybody is invited to follow Jesus. And anybody can. Amen? Amen. Service is over. But as you leave, please, please don't leave your fishing poles behind. (laughs) Take them with you. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit will direct you to your designated water holes for a good week of fishing. So we expect to see you next week. Bring some fish. Amen. Amen.